Welcome, everybody, to the Mayfair Theater Podcast. This is Josh, and we're recording this episode from my house, so the normal warning of if you hear a dog or cat walking by, you might hear some of that in the background, because this is not a recording studio. This is a laptop and a microphone on my kitchen table. Host-wise, I'm by myself today, but I've got two friends from the Absent Friends Shadowcast here to chat about Rocky Horror and other things, so I'll just get you guys to introduce yourselves so we can put a voice to the name. Hey y'all, I am Sam, I play Dr. Frankenfurter, and I am the director of the Absent Friends at the Mayfair Theatre. Hey, I am Chris Jennings, I've been part of the Absent Friends on and off for about six, six seven years, years since yeah. it started, and currently I'm playing the criminologist, but I occasionally do all sorts of things. So Chris, where did you come from? How did you get tricked into being an absent friend? So the start of it was that way back before we had the absent friends going, there was no shadow cast at the Mayfair at the time. So it was Sam and his group of friends kind of sitting at the back row shouting things. And then there was me and my group of friends in the middle shouting things from there so that we could still get hit by projectiles and whatnot. And then when they started the cast, I was introduced by a mutual friend and I immediately was like, you guys don't have a criminologist yet. I want to be a part of this. I want to do it. And... And that's how it started. Absolutely. You were you were one of the, almost one of the original cast members. You've been with us for yeah, almost was, since the very beginning. Yeah, there was the five of you originally, where it was, there was the Frankenfurter, the Riff Raff, the Magenta, an Eddie, and Columbia. then a Columbia slash Rocky, slash where it Rocky. was the same person. Yeah. And then with my group of three, we had the first, I was the first criminologist, and then my friend was Brad, and uh, we had a Transylvanian, and that was kind of the original group. Group. I was the first criminologist of the Absent Friends, because for a while you were just going without... Totally, and also a cool thing about Chris is he at some point moved out to Toronto and was also able to partake in the shadow cast out there, the color cinema. So he's been... Shadow casting all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I spent four years in Toronto for my degree, so while I was there, I was doing Rocky pretty much the whole time. So there, it's like we tend to switch up more who plays what, so it's like I ended up doing just about everything at some point. It's quite the thing. It's both our city and now our theater has this association with Rocky Horror, and even the backstory that we've talked about before of just how Ottawa has this connection from the late 70s with screening Rocky Horror, and then now, cut to today... And our theater has stumbled into being, because of you guys, one of the biggest in North America America, or the world. Yeah, we are the third most attended Rocky Horrors in America. First in Canada, which is pretty darn good. That's amazing. So we (laughs) got to take down those other two. Who's the other two? New York and L.A.? San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. And New York. See, we're we're never going to beat those guys. Uh, You say that now. We can do it, I believe. Absolutely. Some complicated... Some horrible backstabbing, complicated fishnet involved scheme. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. We haven't talked about this on the podcast, but a couple months ago, I inadvertently broke your heart for a second. Yes, <laughs> and it didn't mean to. It no. was me being dumb, casual nerd conversation where Disney bought 20th Century Fox, and I was so distracted at the kind of cool aspects of that because being a comic nerd, another very complicated thing of. Back in the day, comic books were dying so much that Marvel had to sell off the rights to multiple studios to kind of pay the bills. So you had this weird thing where Spider-Man was owned by Sony, the X-Men and Fantastic Four were owned by Fox, 
and a bunch of their other characters, smaller ones like Ghost Rider or Doctor Strange or Punisher, were owned by other smaller companies. It was really strange. So you had a company that didn't really own their characters to make movies. So long story short, Disney now, they're just buying everything. And they bought Fox for $60 billion. Dear God. So it means that now Disney, on top of owning Pixar and Muppets and Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and their own characters, of course, of Mickey course, Mouse and everything, on. they now own, off the top of my head, Die Hard, Planet of the Apes, Serenity Firefly, and didn't think about this, the Rocky Horror the Picture Rocky Show. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I kind of mentioned it to Sam and texted him or Facebook chatted him, and then it hit me. It was like, Oh, this is a big thing. It's huge. It's terrifying. So poor (laughs) Sam detected into it and delved into it. Absolutely. And the fear, of course, at the time was that Disney has a very strict policy about what can be theatrically screened and what cannot. And so I had a brief moment of, oh my God, Disney's going to bring down the longest running cinematic phenomenon in the history of film. Get shoved in the vault, oh Disney my vault, God. never to be seen again. Terrifying, but my so far my my fears are somewhat appeased about it. I reached out to they were the creators of a documentary that came out recently called Rocky Horror Saved My Life, which is a documentary that looks at the phenomenon that the Rocky Horror culture is all about. So a lot of they interviewed several shadow casts throughout the United States. They themselves being also part of a few shadow casts. And I asked them about this and if they were worried about it, and they've sent me back a a reply saying that really there was nothing to worry about, that the deal, if it even does go through, because it is under investigation, the, the rights would take one to two years to even fall into Disney's hands. And they also assured me that Disney does let their backlog in theatrical release with the exception of if they have a prequel or a sequel or a movie or that deals with the subject matter at hand then they'll of course vault them but i mean it may also be wishful thinking i guess we'll have to it's it's quite the thing yes like and one of our other traditions screened much less frequently but every christmas since we've taken over we screen die hard at christmas and it packs the place and everyone has a lot of fun I didn't think of that one until somebody on Facebook said, what about Die Hard? And that's the kind of movie as well that you think they would stick it in a vault. The vault is this weird thing where I think it's VHS's fault and maybe like HBO and those kind of movie channels. So back in the early 80s, late 70s even, when that started happening, they would lock them away and then every five years re-release Bambi on VHS or DVD it would trick people and they would buy it. They'd have new special editions or whatever. And so, I mean, they're geniuses, so I'm sure the business model works. Works, of course. But the sad thing is, I'm just old enough to remember it, but barely, of when I was a kid, they'd have a rotation. So I got to see one year was Pinocchio, and then, you know, so whatever, like say 85 was Pinocchio, and 86 was 101 Dalmatians, and 87 was Aristocats. And then it was somewhere around their big rebirth with, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and all that, then they just locked it all away. And there's never really been... And anytime something gets released, say, like, when Tron 2 came out a few years ago, people would say, are you guys going to screen Tron? And we're like, we can't. Disney won't let us. And you would think that even though we're little, there's enough of us around that they would make a couple bucks by letting us screen Tron. But they don't. So it's weird. 
for the the cinema fan, it's very frustrating because you're like, well, I want to watch Jungle Book on the yes. big screen, and you're but like, I think we can't. Disney's kind of past that point. I mean, it's I don't think the revenue from the small theaters really matters to them, which is very sad to say because I mean. So maybe that'll switch with Fox. Maybe they'll just say, we're still not going to let you play Fantasia, but we'll let you screen Die Hard and Rocky Horror still. Hopefully. But it wouldn't make any sense to lock these other movies away with the rest of the Disney flicks. I mean, to lock away their own cartoon characters and their own classic characters, fine. But these other movies that have nothing to do with the Disney world should be left out there yeah. and alone. And especially... Rocky Horror. I mean, I am a little biased, but I mean, it's been playing nonstop since its release in 1975, and it would just mark such a a sad moment in history to just take it away for the for the sake of. And there are loopholes because we can't. I can't remember exactly, but we can't screen most of the Muppet movies. But we got to screen the original Muppet movie. Someone can correct me, I'm sure, but it's some red tape thing where, say, it was like. MGM produced the Muppet movie and had a 40-year contract with it or something. So because of that, for the time being, we can still screen that. But we can't screen Muppet Christmas Carol or Muppets or Muppets Most Wanted because that was produced kind of under the Disney brand of distribution. So there are loopholes like that as well. But it's this frustrating thing because so many other distributors, like, say, Warner Brothers, in the past few years, we've screened... Michael Keaton Batman or 1970s Superman or in past years we've had Hitchcock mini festivals or we've screened an old Abbott and Costello movie or we screened I think it's Paramount we screened Purple Rain when mm. Prince died Prince, of course so all of these other distributors don't care and well, just no. like yep that's an extra couple hundred bucks for us there you go and that's how it should be but not Disney for no, much of their no. stuff. They're the Gestapo of the cinema so world. And it's terrifying. But I mean, time will tell. But I, it is a shame. This policy is quite a shame. Because I'm sure you guys would love to play Star Wars, for instance. Oh my god. And imagine if every Halloween slash Christmas we could play Nightmare Before Christmas. It would be amazing. Or my idea to them. I wish I could be at like a panel where I could speak to one of their you know Big head shots. bosses. Because now Disney's in this routine of making live-action remakes of their classics. Yes. Whether this is a as much as people hate reboots or whatever, financially it's working. Because Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, Jungle Book, Beauty and the Beast have all been enormous. And there's been a couple that kind of faltered, like Pete's Dragon kind of came and went. Yeah. But for the most part, enormous. Yeah. You would think, okay, you're releasing Jungle Book. Can we release... Jungle Book the cartoon say the weekend before on like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday matinee and get the crowds riled up get the crowds, publicity and then they could go to our competitors and watch the other thing but they don't do that but I think also maybe a reason that these live action reboots work is that people haven't been able to see the originals for so very long, right? Yeah so and I think too uh, where The Last Jedi was still enormous and it's so funny when people say oh it didn't do as well and I'm like yeah, it made $1.3 billion instead of $1.6 billion. But the reason is, is that that extra $300 million is most of us didn't see Han Solo and Chewbacca on screen since either 83 or the 20th anniversary re-releases in 97. Which means there was people who were in their early 20s who were Star Wars nerds who never saw Han Solo on the big screen. 
So I could see that as a reasoning, like holding it back well, of course. for that. Of, co- uh, of course. And that worked. Nonetheless, I'm just like, all your other guys let us show, show movies. Of <laughs> course. Uh, well. And the only thing I could think is, we don't get to introduce the movies as much as we used to, because we used to have a projectionist at least, mm-hmm. and Matthew would come down and sit in the box office for three minutes, and I'd run up and introduce a movie, and it's fun, and you know, you get to plug upcoming stuff. Nowadays, you only get to do that when you're just there to watch a movie because usually the box office is busy with people being box office so I got to introduce Die Hard because I was just there to watch it and you know you kind of forget but most people don't know you know they don't the same thing that I don't know anything about the behind the scenes of Broadway or anything or you know a shoe store I just don't know (laughs) so most people don't know about distribution or anything so I introduced the movie and I made a joke about how there's always the argument of whether it's a Christmas movie or not and of course it's a Christmas movie because we're screening it at Christmas and there's a Christmas songs in it and it takes place at Christmas. Christmas. There's more references to Christmas than there are people being shot. I would say that makes it a Christmas movie. Yeah. That's flawless. I always say too, like you look at a couple of the other Christmas movies like White Christmas or It's a Wonderful Life, they're just as much Christmas as Die Hard. The (laughs) bulk of It's a Wonderful Life doesn't even take place at the holidays. And there's like one Christmas scene at the end kind of thing. And White Christmas, I remember I first saw it and I was pissed off because I was like, they just sing a song at the end. <laughs> That's not ever even Holiday Inn. Yeah. Which, yeah. So there's the all kinds of other Christmas. examples. But I did the little introduction and I told this story about Die Hard and the Disney vaults. And I said, so there's a chance this might be the last time we get to screen Die Hard. And there was audible gasps from the crowd. <laughs> of, well, of course. Of like, what? Of course. It's a, such a fan favorite, and it's become such a, a tradition for you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Was... And, and I just, I don't want to put this in your head, but I just imagine the emotion of a last Rocky Horror. It would not go down very well. <laughs> well, not just at the Mayfair, but I mean, worldwide. It's yeah. like, it's a... I don't think the the world would let it happen. Man, you know, it's I, so... I, I, I genuinely imagine... You know, say like the Disney Studios in in Hollywood, just a protest of a bunch of people in fishnets, fishnets and, and you know corsets like, and gold underwear. It yeah, it would be a it would be a really sexy protest. It would be hilarious <laughs> standing up there outside of Disney World as families are trying to go in to ride the roller coasters and it stuff. Would be and the most amazing. Has the the director or Meatloaf or Tim Curry has anybody hinted to them that this might happen? I haven't even looked. To I be have honest. not seen anything about yeah. it and I've tried to look up any information about Rocky being vaulted or any other Fox movie being vaulted for that yeah. matter and there just doesn't seem to be any information out there and even when I had asked these head honchos of Rocky Horror about it they had not thought of it and they yeah. had not, it's not something that they they seem to have considered even because like yeah, we we don't know anything. Like, well, no, we haven't gotten a you know a press release email from Disney saying here's what we're gonna do. And, and so. well, even s- since the the merger, well, I don't think there can be anything uh, released just yet because they are under investigation. Uh, the entire the entire purchase is under investigation because of uh, what you would call it. Like, I forget the name of this law, but basically, Disney would own too much of right. the market. Have a monopoly. Uh, monopoly, yes. yes. Have a monopoly of the market. And so it needs to be looked into. Maybe after they are given the green light or not, uh, we'll have a bit more information about this. But for the time being, it's all really still up in the air. And there's still Fox movies 
happening in 2018. Yes. I just know the nerd ones off the top of my head, but like there's another Deadpool movie coming and another X-Men movie coming. Well, it's these, this is, I mean, also a huge purchase and it involves so much, like so many assets as well. It's not, I don't think it's the type of thing that can be done in, in a day, oh, yeah. you know? So it's, and I mean, just think of the amount of movies that Fox owns and that like, how long have they been pumping movies out for? Well, and, you know, I always joke, like, we don't want to talk about TV, but we always talk about TV. But this is going to mean that Disney will own The Simpsons. Yes. And Disney will own Family, Family Guy. Guy. All these shows, yeah. you know. And there's, despite, people think, oh, they're going to Disney-fy things. And I'm like, well, not really, because if you look at a lot of the Marvel programming that's happened post-Disney merger, you've still gotten a very R-rated Punisher TV show. And you've still gotten a very R-rated... Even though it's not branded Disney, it's still owned by them. Yes. And they have allowed Fox to do stuff, you know? They, but they don't Disney-ify, if that's even a through. A lot of their properties, like their classic stories, like fairy tales and so on, are, of course, very Disney. But Disney has their fingers in a lot of pies. And they you wouldn't necessarily know that the movie or TV show you're watching... No. Is Disney. And this goes I mean, back to, like, when I was a kid, and I think I'm remembering this correctly, but... Disney started a branch called Touchstone that was more grown-up movies. And there was a movie called Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Oh, man. Was it with Bette Midler? I think it was with Bette Midler. It was a Hollywood movie, like a bunch of... A comedy about a bunch of horrible people in Hollywood. Richard Dreyfuss was in it. But I believe it was R-rated or at least PG-14. And it caused a big kerfuffle because it was a Disney movie that had swearing and maybe nudity in it and stuff. But then Touchstone went on to produce all these other movies, and they were just like, yeah, that's just another branch. Like, there's no Disney logo, there's no Magic Kingdom, that's just another branch of our property. But we have to also, I think, look at Disney as they are, it's a business, they're business people. Yes. And it's much more than just an artistic venture now. I think they're beyond the whole... Oh, yeah. Like, this is... It's cold, hard cash at the end of the day, right? Yeah. That's all it is. And they, I'm sure, understand full well that cartoons and happy endings don't bring in all the audiences either no well it's like when they bought star wars i remember journalists going wonder what they're gonna do with star wars and i'm like they're gonna make a whole bunch of star wars movies oh (laughs) that they are because whereas lucas went oh there's a trilogy wait a bunch of years there's another trilogy that's the end of the story they're not just gonna buy it and sit on it they're gonna make another indiana jones they're gonna make another star wars they're gonna do a bunch of this stuff and they tried with the muppets they did Two movies which I both really like, but none of them were enormous hits. So I think they're still kind of figuring out what to do with Muppets. But from what I understand, they kind of left them alone, too. Like, yes. Pixar and Muppets, they didn't go in and fire everybody. Lee had said, which I didn't even think about, was someone he's been dealing with for almost a decade at Fox might lose their job because when it merged with Disney, they might just be like, oh, now this person could just do both those jobs. That's going to take forever. For, uh, the bureaucracy of it must be... Mind-blowing. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. But Disney's not too nice either on the other... Like, I mean, I remember a story of... It was George Lucas who right. had come out with a little speech about how he regretted selling Star Wars and how he had sold his soul and so right. on and so forth. The next day, it was impossible to find this statement. Yeah. And George Lucas had come out with another one going on about how wonderful Disney yeah, is. Yeah, I'm sorry. And it's... it's and I remember that, and I, and I remember seeing it, and 
It's, it's just, you know, imagine everything you said was recorded all the time. I really do believe George was kind of half in jest of like, you know, it, w- it was the hangover and it was like, wow, this thing that's been part of my life is now somebody else's. And he made some joke and it kind of got taken the wrong way. And media was like, George Lucas hates Disney. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so, you know. But, but even like, if he did, though, yeah. well, who's Disney to care? Oh, yeah. I mean, he can have his own his own ideas and his own thoughts and what have yeah. you. They bought their product. That's all that it should come down to. But they they do like getting out there, you know. But they, I mean, if he if the creator is talking about it negatively, that's affecting their brand, you know. That's affecting the image of Star Wars that Disney is producing. So, yeah. you know, it's like, true, but I think they've been able to prove... That their heart is kind of in the right place, maybe. No, when it comes to Star Wars. Star Wars movies, as we can kind of play. Yes. Mm, yeah, but they, yeah. at least like they've been they've they've been good. You know, yes. like I so far I've been very happy with them. And the biggest thing for me from the Marvel point of view is that Disney figured out some deal with Sony and got to produce a Spider-Man movie, and it was great. And there's been a bunch of Fantastic Four movies so far, and they've all been terrible. And it's the biggest thing. And Fantastic Four, it's not hard. It's a family of superheroes. There's been hundreds of great stories. They've already done it, essentially, with The Incredibles. Just do that again. And that's the biggest thing. It's like, oh, there's finally going to be a good Fantastic Four movie. Or the thought of, oh, cool, we can have Wolverine fighting the Hulk. You know, all those kind of nerd things. But supposedly, and this could be lying, but the guy who's in charge of all Marvel was like, yeah, this is a surprise to me as much as anybody. I didn't. I wasn't in on it. He goes, he goes, that's out of my pay scale. So the next handful of Marvel movies aren't going to have a surprise appearance by Wolverine because they're already going along the assembly line. Yeah. So that could be a couple years away still before we have an X Men Avengers crossover or something. Yeah. But it's it's big. It's but it is it's that monopoly rule where that is interesting to see if somebody comes in and because Disney literally owns. Everything oh right God. now, like well, that would be so unfair to other production yeah. houses. Because, like, I mean, what don't they own? They even own a lot of like YouTube, just web series things. Yes. at this point. I, and it's funny you mentioned that one of our cast members was telling me when this first started that when she was a teenager, she had this little video or blog, or I'm not sure what the kids call it, about Pirates of the Caribbean. Right, and this is like a fifteen-year-old girl writing about how much she likes about Pirates of the Caribbean. One day, she got an email from Disney being oh, all man. like, "We, I'm afraid, are going to have to close you down, Mrs." Yeah, and it to me makes no sense. I mean, their movies are aimed to entertain kids and to get their imaginations going and to really kids fall in love with them. And I believe that it should be their right as children and fans of these movies to express their... And that's what I liked about Lucasfilm and George Lucas pre-Star Wars. I don't know where this stands now, but a few years ago, they were very supportive of fan films and that kind of thing. And basically the rule was, as long as you're not setting up a booth at a Comic-Con and reselling it, as long as you're just doing it as a calling card or to show your skills, not only did they approve of it, they made available through Lucasfilm website all the sound effects. If you wanted like a lightsaber thing... They made all that available. That's so, you, so you could go in and get, oh, we need a, an X-Wing fighter sound effect. We need a Chewbacca sound effect. All available. And then every year at San Diego Comic-Con, they would have a film festival. And they would give out 10 awards. And the first award would be, you know, a new home editing system and a camera and whatever. And then 10th place would be, like, some toys or something. Yeah. So not only did they support it, they rewarded it. 
And I think that's smart because it just encourages the fandom. The fandom. Of, of course. And I mean, that's what it comes right back down to. Even with Rocky Horror, the fans are the ones that make legends out of these movies yeah. and these stories. It's not the production company that can addict what will be liked and what won't. I mean, these movies, in my opinion, and stories and books and what have you, as soon as they are released to the public, belong to the public. There should not be any anything to hold them back from. Imagine somebody coming in from Fox and going like, oh, you're not wearing sanctioned fishnets. <laughs> you know, like you're not wearing... We, we have our Fox brand makeup kit. You I know? would be like, the first person to go for yeah, the official yeah, yeah. <laughs> makeup and fishnets, but thank God they don't. Yeah. Yeah, but... Or even like, like you hear stories, this is, you know, 20 plus years ago, but Kevin Smith made Clerks and had a ton of Star Wars references in it. And it's just, you know, a movie, a, a no-budget movie about two guys working at a corner store. But there's, like, a, a bit about the people working at the Death Star and what about the guys who were just, like, the janitors and you killed them all. <laughs> so they were young and dumb and just ended up getting into festivals. And then somebody said, did you get permission for the Star Wars stuff? And they were like, no. So after the fact which would have been very difficult for them to go back and cut out all this Star Wars oh, stuff. Yeah. Lucasfilm sent them a thing, and we're like, yeah, no problem. Go for it. And Kevin Smith said he has that framed as the first bit of actual filmmaking adulthood. But that's an example of this little independent movie, which they could have said no. They went, yeah, sure. Go for it. So yeah. they were okay with that, you know, and I'm sure it's kind of a sliding scale. Or I've heard stories, I kind of looked this up, because I think I've told this story before. There was an Ottawa band years ago called Boy Wonder. Robin the Boy Wonder, I guess, is copyrighted. I don't know if the band had some reference to Robin or if it was a nerd band or what, but they were called Boy Wonder. So they got a cease and desist letter from Warner Brothers, who owns DC Comics, saying, yeah, you can't be called Boy Wonder. And I don't know the end of that story. I don't know if the band changed their name or whatever. So this, like, little band in Ottawa... That's so brutal, And though. this would have been years ago. This might have been pre- internet, you know? But still, the, the powers that be found them. Found them, of course. And, and said, nope, you can't be called Boy Wonder. That's so sad. So that's it's weird so stuff sad. like that, yeah. yeah. And then you see other stuff that's great, like you see Joss Whedon with his Firefly TV show, and those people do stuff for charity, and do fan art, and even, uh, I was watching behind-the-scenes show for the new Star Trek TV series, and they put up fan art on their going to commercial breaks. Mm -hmm. So not only are they encouraging it, they're showing it. You know, As they and, should. Which is way smarter, because these are the people buying the novelizations and buying the t-shirts. And, and they're the people that keep it running, you know? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, so yeah, it's... We'll see. We will keep everyone updated as soon as we know anything. Absolutely will. We'll... But hopefully there'll be no bad news. Hopefully they'll just be like, oh, yep, we can yeah, keep it's... doing this. Well, we still are right now, so that's, I guess, all yeah. that matters. So, and that was the... As per usual, we ramble on, but this podcast is being recorded to publicize the post-Valentine's Rocky wow. Horror. So this podcast is going to go up in early February, but about a week and a half or two later, February the 17th. 17th mm -hmm. And it'll be... Are you doing anything extra special for post-Valentine's? We're calling it post-Valentine's, and that's <laughs> as far as it goes. Well, it's, a it's a classic love story, right? And yeah. the most diverse of love stories. Yeah. <laughs> so yes... It'll be a great time. In a few months, though, I believe in May, we will be doing a Star Wars theme show, which is what? going to be oh, a lot of fun. <laughs> it's going to Roll be... my eyes. So what does a Star Wars theme show mean? Basically, we are going to try to come up with a bunch of Star Wars callbacks. There are already a few that exist in the 
everyday Rocky Horror callbacks, uh, but we're also going to dress up as various Star Wars characters impersonating the characters of the Rocky Horror Show. So, for example, Chris, I believe, our criminologist will be Yoda. Um, <laughs> Are you upset well, about that? Is that, um, is that going to be a lot of green face paint? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I probably want to make my ears out of lettuce, but this is with a big heavy sigh that I've agreed to this, because yeah. the rest of the cast has been harping about how we need to do a Star Wars show for months and months and months. If and not years. My response every time has been a bit of a, can we not? Yeah. But... So what it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure. It's going to be a blast. You're going you're to totally sabotage it. You'll be like, beep, boop, boop, boop. Hello, Disney? Well, <laughs> exactly. I, was, I wanted the people that didn't want to do Star Wars to dress up as characters from Star Trek and have somewhat of a showdown between the two of them. Yeah. But no. No. It's going to... Anyways. Star Wars show. Star Wars hey, show. Cool. It's going to be great. Cool. Well, that was our joke, too, that if, if Rocky Horror got ousted away from us, you guys would have to shadow cast something. Sound of else. music or Wizard of oh, Oz. Because or... that's also Oh fun. my god, why? Yes, that's, that's I know. Horrible. It's terrible. We'll, we'll call up John Waters. We'll see if we can do Pink Flamingos oh, or something. My vote was Phantom of the Paradise, but I don't know if that's owned by Fox or not. So god. that might also probably be Probably jinxed it. Anything we mention is probably owned by Fox. Yeah, or we'll soon be owned by Disney one or the other. <laughs> well, actually, too, I was like, Disney's gonna buy Warner Brothers and then they'll own Batman and then it'll be a big nerd universe oh my god but it's even I was like if you look at recently I hardly see commercials because I hardly watch real TV but if you see a car commercial back in the day it would be Ford and Chrysler and Saturn and whatever now they're all the same whoever Ford or somebody bought, bought Disney style bought 20 different companies NBC used to be NBC then they were NBC Universal then they were Microsoft NBC Universal so they were MSNBC Universal <laughs> And then they got, it was like a booze company, Vivendi or something like that. They threw their hat in the ring. So their actual business cards were MSNBC Universal Vivendi. And just like, <laughs> it was like a joke, and it just got bigger and bigger. And bigger. And bigger. Holy. But that's our world now, just big companies eating up slightly less bigger companies. At some point, there won't be anything to eat anymore. Well, I like following Coca-Cola. You can, you can follow the, oh, Coke is on sale at McDonald's and is also on sale at Disney World and is also on sale at... Pizza Hut is like, and you know, so you can follow the oh, here's who owns that, you know. <laughs> that's a good. That's that's interesting. I'll start. I'll start doing that. And that's you can see it too. Like I believe I could be wrong, but I believe it's like Burger King is Pepsi, McDonald's is Coke. So you can see like the lines in the sand of where this giant company. And then there's the conspiracy theory that Coke owns Pepsi, and they're just creating their own oh. uh, false competition. Weird. Where they'd be like, well, we don't like Coke, drink Pepsi, but they own both. And that's been a long conspiracy oh, theory. Oh, that's so strange. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. That's yeah. really weird. Well. And, but there is like Best Buy and Future Shop were the same company. Yes, they were. And in Ottawa, there was one on the West End that were 50 feet away from each other. Yes. Canada Centrum. It they was the same company. Walking yeah. distance. Most of them were in walking distance, but yeah. Bizarre. The world we live in, guys. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. Before I go away, I'm just going to briefly mention the movies we're screening from February 9th to the 15th. We have a lot of repeats thanks to the Oscars, and we're doing so well with these movies that people keep coming back. But we have Darkest Hour, Lady Bird, and Call Me By Your Name returning. Oh, and The Florida Project. I'm just looking at an email right now. Hot off the presses. And then a new film, Molly's Game, which is another Oscar-nominated film. We have an Ottawa premiere called Permission, which is about a happy couple who... Just like to have an open relationship. Hard to have, uh, and that's like, I was joking with my, my wife about that, where that's like 
I watch it like a horror movie. It's just like a nightmare. It's too stressful for me. <laughs> it's too stressful, because, Josh. Because I, like every other nerdy boy, have self-deprecation of like, like, well, my wife's way out of my league. That's bad. If she if she thought about that, I'd be... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> kid. Yeah, oh, I don't let... So, so that's my nightmare. But that's a, a very acclaimed kind of film fest movie we have coming up. And then Casablanca on Valentine's Day at 6.30. That's our Valentine's tradition. Hot Knives on the 15th, an encore of that show. We had the world premiere of that about a week ago, a locally produced film, and totally sold out. I really have to see oh, this one. It was great I really fun. have to see Hot Knives. And so if you missed it, come back, because it's the epitome of a movie that's fun to see on the big screen. It's a, a stoner comedy, locally produced. You and it's see in it. Ottawa. It's filmed in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it looks like Ottawa. Oh, yes, absolutely. You'll see a lot of familiar faces. Then, uh, what am I forgetting? Oh, and Saturday night is our... Oh, what's the math on this? This is our... 102nd consecutive month of The Room. It's insane. Damn. <laughs> it won't go away. Damn. Until Disney buys it. Yeah, Disney's going to buy out Tommy Wiseau. That'll be awesome. I think it's been about 90 months now since I saw my first screening of The Room. It's crazy. And I mean, I saw when I saw it, it was because um, there was the trailer for The Room during Rocky Horror. Oh, yeah. Before yeah. we had a cast, there were trailers, and people were screaming at that, just like random things. Like, she's so beautiful. And I was like, I have to go see What's this. What's going on? You know, there's some other movie people are screaming at. Well, and now we're getting a lot of normal people coming to it because Disaster Artist is Oscar nominated. It's been all over the press. So you're getting people who have never been to The Room showing up and kind of asking about it and timidly tiptoeing around. People are flabbergasted that I've spoken about the Disaster Artist to people, and people are always so shocked that I've seen The Room before the disaster right yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they thought like maybe they came out at about the same time or it's funny That's people are funny, funny. I, like, you got to, <laughs> I exclusively wear Tommy Wiseau underwear and I've been doing that for about five years now that's hilarious it's great underwear you forget when you're in I've said this before but you forget when you're in kind of the center of a tornado we've shown this movie 102 months in a row it's been a thing but there's people who never heard of it before they don't count they don't yeah. count as people. They're not human beings. And, it's, and we had people coming to Disaster Artists thinking people were going to be throwing stuff and yelling at that. And I'm like, no, 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 you're safe here. It's the other <laughs> movie. I don't know. You can't even compare it to Rocky Horror because I think everybody knows Rocky everybody Horror. Everybody knows about Rocky. And so say if today they were like, oh, somebody's making, which I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been, somebody's making a behind-the-scenes biopic of Rocky Horror, it would garner more publicity, I guess, but the crowd's already there. I think the crowd, it would garner crowds to this yeah. new movie, but it wouldn't, I don't think, affect too, too much Rocky. I mean, everybody, people everybody know what it see, is. Ro- of course, of yeah. course. It's like people doing a biopic about Steve Jobs. It's like, well, people know what Steve Jobs is, they know the story, they're going to come see it of anyhow. Course. How come no one's done a Rocky Horror movie yet? That's that's interesting. You think somebody would have? I think it's good. It keeps it a little underground. Yeah. You need to... To be cool enough to be aware about it. Then you have to start thinking about who's going to play Susan Sarandon, who's going to play Tim Curry. They would all Tim have to Curry. play themselves. Tim Curry in his little wheelchair and his oh, fish yeah. hats. <laughs> it would be great. Absolutely uh, amazing. Crazy. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go visit our friends at House of Targ. They, too, are having a Valentine's event. So I think you can double bill it. You can come to the Mayfair and then go to House of Targ to go to their Valentine's thing. You can check us out on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and stay tuned for more Rocky Horror News as we know it. Any more kind of special events like this crazy Star Wars thing is happening in the next few months. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care. There are over one million computer systems in the United States. Inside every one of them is a startling new world. When Kevin Flynn 
A computer genius unlocks the dimension beneath the screen. He becomes a prisoner in a world of his own making. The world of Tron. you have never seen, a name you have never heard, a vision you could never imagine, a world of heroes and villains where energy lives and breathes.